Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Excited to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Joined by the voice of the blues. He is Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. Curbs, we always appreciate the time, man. Let's start with this. The big news of the day is that the Blues have officially traded Jake Allen up to Montreal. $4.35 million in cap space opened up. What was your initial reaction to the news of the day of Jake Allen getting traded? Uh, frankly, not shocked at all. No surprise, Brandon, uh, that it happened. If, if there was any type of surprise, it might have been that it happened so fast, you know, that, that, that it happened right now. But I think we've talked about on the show even a couple of times. When you've got Billy Huso and you when you committed a year during last season to extend Billy Huso and sign him to a one-way contract, you were making the commitment at that point in time to him to be the backup next year, and one of your other goaltenders was going. So, uh, obviously, with the way it worked out, with Jordan being the number one guy, they they traded Jake Allen, and you know I'm not I got to be honest with you guys I'm not convinced just yet um, that this is his final stop. You know I, I like I'm that's that's a heck of a lot of money to have 14 million dollars tied up in your two goaltenders, and I'm I'm not sure that with a flat cap, that's how that's going to work. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Montreal does here or if Jake ends up getting packaged uh, to something else. But I will say, kind of, I guess, on a cool personal front, for a kid that played for the junior Canadiens like Jake did growing up in that Fredericton area, um, I, I got to think a pretty cool moment for him to some degree, as bittersweet as the trade may be. Yeah, Curb, so in the discussion there, we're talking about Vili Husso. And, you know, people may not know a lot about Vili Husso, and he was up until Jordan Bennington came on the scene again, he was looking to be the heir apparent to Jake Allen and be the first guy called up. Now, Jordan Bennington had something to say about that, and there was an injury involved. But Vili Husso has been a really, really tremendous American Hockey League goalie. And, you know, just talking to our fans here, maybe what can the Blues and the fan base expect from Vili Husso? Well, you got a tall guy that's six foot two. He's a 25 year old goaltender. And, you know, yeah, look, I mean, four years in the American Hockey League, it's time for him to make the jump. I, I don't think that his save percentage or his, you know, his goals against averages have been, have been all that good there, but he's athletic. They like the way he moved. And because of the way things have worked out here, you know, they, they haven't really been able to give him a chance. And, and at some point in time, you do have to have to look at him. You know, the reality of it is, is this was a guy that was obviously pretty high up on, on the depth chart for the Blues. They, I mean, again, this was a guy, as you mentioned, Jamie, that they had put they put on the depth chart ahead of Jordan Bennington. And the reality of it is, and sometimes, too, this is why we just have to say better to be lucky than good, right, is the reality of it is, is it was likely that Billy Husso would have been the guy called up from San Antonio, you know, a year ago, January, and, and not Jordan Bennington had Billy Husso not been hurt. But Billy was hurt. Next guy in line, Jordan Bennington, boom, took advantage of it. The rest is history. And now, uh, you know, I guess, you know, now we've got the, 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 the teacher and the apprentice that now has flipped here. We're talking with Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. Give him a follow on Twitter, 
at Chris Kerber. All right, Kerbs, now that we know that this is the first piece of the puzzle for this offseason, and we knew that there was going to be some movement, it was a question of what that movement was going to be. Obviously, the first question that we got from everybody that is a listener today is, what does this mean for Alex Petrangelo? We heard Doug Armstrong earlier today talking about some of that. Uh, do you think this means much on the Alex Petrangelo front? And if so, what, what can we read into this being so early in the offseason? So I guess, uh, you know, th- to me, Brandon, I guess that depends on on which angle you want to look at it. Um we knew this move was the guys, this move had to happen no matter what this move, this move was bound to happen. Whether you had re-signed Petrangelo before the season ended, whether you re-sign him now, whether you don't re-sign him, uh, you know, because even, even if you don't re-sign Petrangelo, a move like this needed to happen just to have the cap space to be able to sign Vince Dunn, you know, or frankly, even somebody else for that matter, you only had $2 million in, in cap space there. So, you know, from that standpoint, you could say, it, it, yes, it's going to help you to some degree, but it's not the end-all and be-all. This was a move that was on the radar to happen anyway, and again, like we just talked about, was on the radar the moment you signed Billy Huso to that one-way contract. Now, the flip side of that, the other way you look at it is, yes, you are going to need some cap space, and this is the first step in clearing what would be needed cap space if you're going to have any chance to sign them. So the good news is you were able to move, Jake. You were able to start freeing up cap space. Now, you know that if you're going to sign and be able to sign Alex Petrangelo, you're going to have to free up even some more cap space. Where that comes from, how that comes from, that remains to be seen. But that's kind of where you're sitting with at, at that point in time. So, yeah, look, from a Alex Petrangelo standpoint, that move needed to happen to give you a chance. Now you've done it. Now if you're going to re-sign him, you are still going to have to free up some more which just, I think, keeps the intrigue going along these lines. Carbs, just to dip into uh, another avenue here a little bit is, have we got any updates on our boy Vladdy Tarasenko and maybe where he's at right now? I don't know. I'm not sure if anybody really knows if he's had that procedure or not. And, of course, Alexander Steen uh, had a little bit of a problem, too, in the playoffs. Uh, We get a lot of texts wondering how those guys are doing. Yeah, you know what? No update other than the one the team gave on Vladimir Tarasenko. He's obviously they're going to have to go back in and have the surgery. He's not getting reevaluated for five months, as we know, and so uh, there's going to be no update really to talk about with him until February. Alexander Steen was one where you know you kind of felt that if you get back here and you get some of the treatments that that he needs to get done, he's going to be fine, you know. And so um, you know, I think he was dealing with some upper body issues at that point in time, and it was obviously stuff that had happened prior to getting up into the bubble. So. Uh, not nothing, I guess nothing juicy, nothing for people to be able to lock their teeth into and, and, and feel like they're going to be that much more knowledgeable now than they were before. Cause unfortunately I'm not on that front. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Uh, you but... know, doesn't it get to the point, Jamie, like, 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 and this is, this is the interesting part about this. Like I'm, I really hope. Well, I look, well, look, when we go into, when we get to go into the, and part of the challenge that we really have to here is like, is normally we can kind of go find out like like we would have known that something was bothering Alexander Steen and kind of more of what it was even if we couldn't talk about it had we been able to go into the locker room and and the Dallas Stars there, there was a great article written by the, the guy that that covers the the Stars on the Athletic and and you know Rick Bonus is coming out saying when when he's getting asked about are you going with Hudobin or are you going with Bishop Rick Bonus's comment 
which is a fair one as well. We kind of have a little more information about what's going on than you guys do. But it's also a bit of a slap in the face comment because if we had been able to go into locker rooms and been able to do the job that we normally would do, we might find out a little bit more. Or if you're able to sit around and watch practice, which is where we get a lot of information on how a guy might be doing, we're able to get a little bit more. Um, you know, but it, it's a tough situation, and, and I can promise, I, I can totally understand where it could be frustrating for fans too because sometimes you used to, even, even if we're keeping it just upper body, lower body, we're still able to give a little bit more than we've been able to go because we could break down how a guy looked like skating and things like that. Man, this, this this bubble situation has really made it difficult for us to be able to give fans a little bit more on that front. Yeah, Curbs, I, I can imagine it's frustrating for everybody, and it, it is frustrating for the fans too because there is some information that is not provided or unable to be provided because you just don't have the access or the capabilities of getting near those players or the organization. Uh, we actually we had the big rig on earlier today, and we were talking to him as well. And he had some comparisons from the Toronto bubble, maybe the Edmonton bubble. I was just curious, and Alex and I were going back and forth on this. I was just curious if maybe you knew at what point do, does the Eastern Conference team go out to Edmonton? Is it before their Eastern Conference final, or is it once the Eastern champion is declared? The original plan of that was to have all four remaining teams in the bubble in Edmonton, and those two conference finals would be played from Edmonton. Um, I frankly don't think anymore, for at least from uh, – and, and, and one person I reached out to to explore this a little bit, um, I don't know if that is as necessary as it is right now. They feel confident that they could start the Eastern Conference Final in Toronto and then move both teams to Edmonton just fine, even if the series has already started. I don't think it's that, well, if we have to start it here, uh, we have to finish it here. Um, so I, I think that's where it's going. And, and it wouldn't shock me to see the Eastern Conference Final start before one of the Western Conference Finals is done, especially if one of these two series were to make its way to what, what seems to be a rare seventh game this year in the playoffs. So um, I, I think the National Hockey League has honestly done exactly what they've done throughout this whole thing. It kept things somewhat fluid and not locked themselves into anything. I do believe that if you get to that point, uh, and, and, and it would be, if, I think if the other two series were done, Jamie, you'd probably see them both start in the same spot. But because they're done and waiting in the East and because the other part is going on, I, I think they'd be willing to start it in Toronto. They're, they're just... There's no need to commit to it. I think it would be more of a financial decision because it's longer that you have to keep that bubble in place in Toronto versus the one bubble. And I think that that, that might become the ultimate deciding factor is, is the financial side of it. Last question that I've got for you, Curves. I want to come back to the Blues for just a moment because earlier today we were talking with Pierre Maguire, and I thought Jamie asked a really good question about who needs to step up with the loss of um, Vladdy for the first portion of the season with his surgery. And Maguire brought up the, the name Jordan Cairo. In your opinion, Curbs, what does Cairo need to do to become a more consistent player to earn some of those minutes as a top six forward this upcoming season, especially while Vladdy's out for the time being? Well, it has to start with something, and and and, and it's a great point, Brandon, because those young guys are the ones, and, and I don't necessarily think it's got to be just the one guy. I think it's got to be another level from – from Zach Sanford. I think it's got to be another level from Robert Thomas, to be honest with you. 
right? And 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 Sammy Blay. I got. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's fair to really lump all four of them in together when you're talking about where the growth uh, is going to have to come from. But specifically to Jordan Cairo, the reality of it is is he's got to earn the trust of the coaches. And that's something I think Jamie could, could reference so much more than I can because he's been in that situation specifically. But you've got to earn the trust of the coaches to be out there. And I'm, it, it has always been a flag to me in terms of where a player sits with a coach when you've got a one-goal game or you've got a game on the line and a coach and you see a player out for the final minute of a period. If you see a guy getting one of those last two shifts of a period or a game when it's tight, then you're starting to understand that the coach is starting to trust that player. And I think that's where it's got to start. Cairo is going to have to work on his defensive responsibilities, and they're going to have to trust that when he is making the right moves, he's making the right moves away from the puck. They know he's got puck skill, and they want to see the right puck decisions made. But right now for him, the coaches can't trust him if he's not positionally strong and making the right plays away from the puck as much. And to me, it's going to have to be a really solid focus on that for him to uh, to get to another level where he's out there. And and you know what that leads to? Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jamie, but that that what that leads to is when the coach trusts you, that leads to the more ice time. When you're a skilled player, more ice time leads to you feeling more comfortable and you getting more of those opportunities. And because you're getting more of those opportunities, because you've got that skill, that puck's going to start going in a little bit more for you and you're going to start making uh, some, some more plays because of the more ice time. Because So it's all, it's all kind of linked together. But I, to me, that's where it's got to start. He is Chris Kerber, one of the best in the business. He is the voice of your St. Louis Blues. You can give him a follow on Twitter throughout the offseason as well, at Chris Kerber. Curves, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We'll talk with you next week. Yeah, you got it, fellas. Hey, real, real quickly here, uh, listen, man, all the best to Jake. You know, this is a guy that's been a part of the Blues organization for 10 years since he, well, even since when he was drafted in 08, so maybe you could say 13 years, but He's been a model citizen. He's been an amazing part of this community, his willingness to do anything and everything. And uh, so uh, another great guy. And for a guy that was only two or three wins shy of Mike Lee Ute's all-time win total for the St. Louis Blues, Jake was a hell of a goalie for the Blues and uh, wish him and his family nothing but the absolute best. He certainly was, and a big part of their championship run as well. Curbs, we appreciate the time, man. We'll talk with you soon. All right, Brandon. Have a great day, buddy. Thank you. You do the same. That is Chris Kerber joining us here on 101 ESPN.